July 28th. Good travel day today. I'm somewhere really unique. Train ride yesterday was tough. Very hot. Anyway, Libyana is nice. Lots of Baroque. Went for a beer in the town square yesterday and walked around town today. Very small place in this valley surrounded by mountains. Almost like the rest of the world forgot about this place. Things were going along until uh, World War I because all the architecture is very nice and detailed baroque and nouveau but it is but it is uh but it is uh dirty and falling apart it was built in the 1800s and early 1900s then world war one and everything after until now in 10 years this place will have a lot more money already a lot of clothes boutiques but the um buildings are still run down overall very cool though walked all over uh, took bus to Bohinge, which is a lake in the Julian Alps, staying at this great pension. Met some cool people from Australia and Canada. The lake is beautiful. You can see the trout as clear as day. Probably do some hut to hut there. So uh, Libdiana, Slovenia was really cool. Um... What I found when I traveled is that some things would be planned and, and some things were uh, unexpected um, little adventures or uh, just places that really uh, grabbed me. And this was one of them. Um, I didn't even know that the uh, the Alps extended into Slovenia. And uh, when, when I was talking with Freddie, my uh, uh, mountain guide for um, uh, the Eiger, uh, we were speaking uh, one night and uh, about things to do because I because we weren't going to be able to do the Matterhorn, and he mentioned that the Alps go all the way to Slovenia, and I thought, well, there's probably mountains, but I I wasn't thinking that they were the actual Alps, and so uh, sure enough, they do, <laughs> and um, so I trained it there, and it was one of these places like I mentioned in the entry where time forgot it. You definitely had that feeling. And it's probably different now, but you know it was it was only uh, what about thirteen, fourteen years after the fall of uh, the Berlin Wall and the uh, unraveling of the uh, Soviet Union and 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 Yugoslavia, of which uh, Slovenia was a member, and uh, so it was fascinating because I I, I remember. Um, getting in the train station and right away you could see things were were different you know just not many tourists you know in fact i don't know if i saw any in the train station and um and I, boy i remember it was being pretty darn hot i remember the train from austria um it was just really uncomfortable but anyway um i stayed in libdiana one night i think and stayed at this you know fairly cool little uh, i had my own room which is sure nice when you're traveling but I remember walking all around the little town, and um, they had a, a river that ran through it, and there was a castle, and um, so I, I went up to the castle, and uh, there was interesting architecture. So they had like, uh, you know, you could see these. Um, there were a couple streets that are sort of these classic streets, like you might see in uh, Dubrovnik, or I would guess like Venice, or. Italy or something, you know, they have all these uh, really, you know, nice, I guess what had been 
the rich people's apartments, if you will. But no one was really rich in Libdiana at this stage of the game. So you could see as you walk through the uh, on these streets, the rivers next to you, and you can they had little bridges you could cross, and you could see that eventually it'd be really really pretty um, when they fixed it up and put new fresh coat of paint and all that. But um, there were you know I sat at the cafes, and I remember. Um, going uh, to see there was a, a an old Roman wall, which kind of um, always amazes me. You know, something from that point in history is is still here today. Small little thing, but uh, cool nevertheless. And um, uh, and then um, the thing that really struck me was they had this library, and when you walked into it, it was I can't it was um, marble. And it was like black and uh, and gray and you know white and um, just gorgeous architecture. Um, it just did not fit with the overall vibe. You know, like I mentioned, the thing about time forgot. You really could see it because um, all the buildings were obviously built within the same era, and then, but you didn't see any buildings that looked modern at all. So. You had this sense that things were going along pretty well, and then, you know, when world history took its toll, meaning like World War One started, and then, you know, World War Two wasn't far behind, and then they were stuck with uh, Yugoslavia. Um, there was just clear that no money had flowed through there. It was just this really weird feeling. It was like you were stepping back in time, and um, it'd be interesting to go back now and see what it's like, but. Uh, yeah, was a, that was a cool little unexpected uh, detour, and then um, my next stop was a little more more hut to hut hiking um, in these uh, little uh, in the Alps, and I uh, bussed it to a, um, a little town called uh, uh, I think well I, I think I Bohinge you you go by Bohinge there's this beautiful lake with an island and you'll see that on the postcards. I just drove past there um, on the way to, I think it was called Star Fuzina. Um, not quite sure about that. I know I did end up there eventually, but uh, uh, at, any rate, we'll, at any rate, we'll talk more about that on the next uh, journal entry. So this is a, a bit off topic here, but uh, one thing that happens when you when you travel like this is you have a lot of time to think, which is nice. You're off the hamster wheel and and you read a lot and you see you know uh, different parts of the world and you think about history and and you just have time to to think deeply, <laughs> solve the problems of the world. Um, and oftentimes you have these, these thoughts that you think sound so brilliant and everything and that, you know, they're, they're really not, but, uh, but that's okay. Um, but I guess maybe some of these entries of going through the Alps has sort of put me in that frame of mind. And then I'm also right now, I'm reading this book called the makers and the takers. Uh, it's about the financialization of the economy and it got me thinking. And, uh, so I'll just... I'll just get on my soapbox here for a second, but this book, Makers and the Takers, you know, there's those who create and uh, create jobs, create products, and the takers would be the uh, financial uh, community. And there's an interesting stat that she quotes in this book. She says that um, 4% of the jobs in the economy are in the financial sector. The financial sector accounts for about 7% of the overall economy, I guess measured as 
revenue or something. Um, but the financial sector takes 25% of the profits out of the economy. So that's a pretty interesting stat right there. And her, her uh, proposition is that finance has always touted itself as the grease in the wheels of the economy, that um, you know, they are there to serve this, this critical function of providing capital to those who want to start a business and create jobs. So it's good for the greater good. But she's making the point that it's asked backwards now, that the financialization of the economy is, is it's, in, it's a means in and of itself for people that are in the financial community to make a ton of money. And that money, in fact, is being rather than being distributed through the economy so that we do create jobs, it's, it's, there's a stranglehold. And that's one reason why the economy since 2008 has been a slow recovery and it hasn't filtered down to the regular Joe. Um, other trends she mentions, of course, outsourcing, automation, um, but she mentions the financialization of the economy is one of them. And um, there's another interesting story she has. She says that uh, uh, Apple, this is like in 2016, was sitting on about 100, call it $200 billion in cash. Get your mind around that. Now, they took out a $70 billion loan. What? Why are they taking out a loan at all? Well, what they did is Carl Icahn, corporate raider that he is, and um, he buys up a lot of Apple stock, and he puts pressure on them to, dis- to disperse more of their profits to the shareholders. And that's why they took out $70 billion. They bought back their shares, raised the stock price, and they um, can distribute more uh, in dividend form to uh, their shareholders. So it's both the stock price goes up and they can distribute more through dividends. Um, And, you know, I think what Americans, where they're really losing the plot here, is that we all think this shareholder concept is great, right? We don't argue with it. We think, hey, this is an innovative thing, capitalism. It's one of the things that makes the world go round is that, you know, if you work for a startup, you work for a company, you're a shareholder and you're going to make out well on this. But what we fail to acknowledge is that all shareholders are not created equal. How many shares of stock do you have? How many shares of stock does Tim Cook have? Who is benefiting from the stock buybacks and the, and the, uptick in the price. It sure as hell ain't you and me. It's Tim Cook and it's Carl Icahn. So anyway, very interesting point, I think. And where I was going with all this (laughs) is um, what if we took that concept of shareholders, which we don't argue with at all. We've all bought into it already. What if we applied that to planet Earth? What if we made planet Earth the corporation that is the corporation above all corporations and we are all shareholders of planet earth and rather than some people having more shares of planet earth we each have one share of planet earth and every other business every other corporation is subservient to planet earth it's somehow connected though so that you can have incentives in our uh, system so that planet Earth benefits. So if some guy comes up or woman comes up with a way to, say, capture carbon so that we can reduce cli- uh, global warming, benefiting planet Earth, that guy makes a lot of money. Excellent. Perfect. Great. So this is not communism, right? This is 
you can still make a little more than the other guy. But anyway, just just a random thought. And the other thought I have is on this whole shareholder thing, we got to wake up. You know, um, you know, uh, uh, and the people that defend um, unregulated, laissez-faire economics, they do it because they just, I don't know, they they think that's just capitalism and that's, it's not communism. But who's making out on this? It's the guys like Carl Icahn and Tim Cook making $20 million a year or more. Not you. You're working your butt off, not getting a raise, worried about losing your job, worrying how your kids are going to go to college. So, you know, we all need to wake up. (laughs) Anyway, soapbox, I know. But um, just can't help to notice, especially with you see so many homeless now, more than ever. And, you know, I thought you think about it. It's like some guy's making $20 million a year. You don't need $20 million a year. You need $10 million to retire if you had kids. Okay, that's the most anyone probably ever needs. $20 million a year? That means these other folks who are living on the street, you think they they could take a fraction of that and be living, at least have a roof over their head and food. So something's got to change. And um, anyway, so uh, deep, deep thoughts. <laughs> Kind of things that uh, you think about when you're on the road and um, and uh, traveling. Okay, so if you uh, are still with me, you you may be thinking I uh, went off on a tangent there, but uh, I I did, and I have one more one more thought to add. I guess my whole you know something that uh, you know that I, I guess you could call it a philosophy. And part of this is from my travel experiences. I think that, uh, what matters is having a happy, healthy planet and happy, healthy people. I call it H for PP. Maybe it'll catch on. Okay. Enough of that. All right. So last we left off, I was in Slovenia and I was about to uh, go to the Slovenian Alps, and I bust it to a cool little town where you could look out over uh, uh, sand on a bridge and look into the lake and see the trout as clear as day. Okay, July 29th through July 31st. Great couple of days of hiking in the Julian Alps. Met up with Susie and Matt of Australia and from the pension. Steep in the beginning through deciduous trees and lots of white rock. Then it opened up into spruce and pines and high mountains and um, seven beautiful lakes. The rock is very porous and white. The area is great because it looks like nothing I have ever seen. Stayed at a hut near Triglav, which is the highest mountain in Slovenia, and every Slovene must go to the top. No joke. We pass lots of people and say, Dobrodan, hello. Beautiful view of the Julian Alps from the hut. Great sunset. Next day, take another route back down to Star Fuzina and the pension. Star is a beautiful little town. Clear water running through. White rocks makes water very clear. And green. Tons of flowers in the gardens. Apple trees, pear trees, plum. It is like the Garden of Eden and still relatively undiscovered by tourists. Also go to the lake for a swim and a beer. Perfect water temperature, not kidding. So clear and great for swimming. Just hang out there at the beach with the locals, like Wasilla or something. Make dinner and talk with everyone at the pension. Off to Austria today.
So the um, hiking in the Julian Alps was really very cool because everything looked different. The white rock um, was something I'd never seen. Um, the, the, the pine trees were very thin, um, uh, thin needles, thin um, trunks, light green. Um, and you got up to this. Uh, so the hike was through all these lakes. So we, I think we passed, like I said, seven lakes. And I met this cool couple, Susie and uh, Matt from Australia. So we hiked up there together and stayed in the hut together. And at the hut, uh, just like the rest of the Alps, they serve you dinner. And you don't need to bring a sleeping bag or anything. Uh, blankets are provided and a bed and all that and a bunk. And um, th- you were way high up there at this hut. And you could see all the these Julian Alps all around you. There were canyons. Um you know, just over the the side, and you could see Triglav in the distance, um, which is the highest mountain in the in the Julian Alps. And um, you know, the Slovenes really do. That's like a thing. They they all like write a passage. I guess they all have to get to the top. And so we saw many Slovenes on the hike that were going up to Triglav. And um, I wish I had done it. You know, it only would have been another day. Um, I don't know why I didn't do it. Um, but, uh, I think I just wanted to hang out with Susie and Matt probably. And, um, and so, uh, we went down to this little cool town, Starfuzina. And I remember, you know, when we got in this little town, there's, you know, wood, wood houses, little village, and there's like a, you know, little Creek running through it and crystal clear water and all these fruit trees, you know, like just green and just bursting with 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 fruit and um and I remember we hung out in this little um a pension you know at someone's house but they had a couple extra rooms and they had a little common area for us and we uh along with Susie and Matt there were some other people and you know we made dinner and just talked and everything and um just really cool those are these are some of the cool uh traveling memories I that I have you know those were really good times and um yeah, and then you know uh, we went down to um, there was this like lake in the in the community, and uh, people just go there and sit on the beach, and um, you know it felt like the water would be cold, but it just it wasn't, and you know we just hung out, had a beer, and it was good. So um, yeah, anyway, so then I continued my uh, trekking on to uh, Austria, and we'll pick that up in the next podcast, and. Um, and uh, and I remember in Libdiana, uh walking around here in Beyonce again. She was following me uh, around uh, around Europe.